Well, hey, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the podcast group, Hangry. The participants are Indika Carruthers, Kenitha Hatton, Adetoye Lamidi, and myself, Tabitha Town. Our subject, food deserts. Our goal is to bring awareness to the many food deserts in our communities and across the nation. Food deserts exist and they exist in most neighborhoods, leaving behind entire communities to go without access to food and better still, without access to healthy, affordable foods. And that's why our group is hangry. Hangry is being hungry and angry at the same time. It's an emotion that says, I'm hungry, therefore I'm irritable or angry. That's why we are hangry. Now, in the hopes of educating and spreading awareness on food deserts, this podcast intends to bring out these specific points. One, what qualifies as a food desert and how does a food desert begin or happen? Two, why do grocers leave these areas and who is affected by their disappearance? And finally, what can we do to prevent this from happening and what solutions can we offer? To start us off, here is Kanitha. Good morning or afternoon, depending on exactly where you're at um, in the country or the world. Um, my name is Kanitha, and I'm going to be continuing our discussion regarding food deserts. And my focus is going to be to give a little bit of an overview as to how food deserts actually got started and what brought that term around. And then also, how do we qualify or identify what actually is considered a food desert? So as my peers are discussing and and giving more information, the first thing we've gotta really have a good understanding on is what are we, what are we meaning when we say food desert? What does that term actually mean? So when we look at data and research, um, the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control here in the U.S., defines a food desert as an area that um, lack access to affordable fruits, vegetables, whole grains, low-fat milk, and other foods that make up the full range of a healthy diet. And again, that is a definition that has been presented by the CDC as to what an actual food desert is. So I think when we look at that that definition and and kind of break that down, they're basically saying, you know, any person, any community or population that doesn't have the means to get healthy options would be considered a food desert. But there is a little bit more to it than just can they or can they not get access to the to the healthy types of food. So 
Um, before we get into that, we want to back up just a little bit and, and identify where the actual term food desert came from and and how that that terminology came about. So it was first introduced in the 1990s, the term food desert, and it was introduced by individuals that were in Western Scotland. And there was a situation where there were individuals living in public housing that had poor access to to the options of healthy foods. And that's when we first heard the term food desert. But I think most of us can agree that if we look back over history in all areas of the world, we would see that they're probably, um, not probably, there definitely were areas that would qualifies a food desert and individuals and communities that definitely did not have the ability to healthy foods long before the 1990s. But the actual term began in the 1990s in Western Scotland, and, and that's where we've started to identify what food deserts actually are. So I don't think that as a society, many of us really understand or want to recognize the amount of individuals that are actually living in food deserts, even in the United States. Um, we're talking millions of individuals that, that are in these areas to where they don't have access to the types of healthy foods um, that we need to, to fuel our body and to remain healthy. So when we go back to the CDC definition, I think the key word there from that definition is access, right? So access to food, healthy foods can be and is broken up further by three different common factors that have been identified by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And those three factors include accessibility, individual barriers, and neighborhood indicators. So again, we go back to um, access, um, which I believe is the key, key word in that definition. So can they get healthy foods in their area? Do they have grocery stores? Do they have um, convenience stores? And that's their only option. Do they have the ability to um, make healthy choices? Is that even an option for where these individuals live? So access is definitely a huge component of that. And then we have the individual barriers. Um, individual barriers include lack of funds, you know, do they have money to purchase healthy types types of food? Um, and I'm sure my peers are going to get into that a little bit more, but that is a huge barrier for, for some of these areas because, as we all know, making healthy choices tend to come with an increased cost, right? I mean, it's not something that we can go out and, and we get a really great deal on like we may be able to go to McDonald's and get a dollar cheeseburger but if we want healthy fresh fruits and vegetables you're looking at anywhere from three to five times the cost to do that so sometimes the individual barriers um, and the funds that are available 
can also contribute to what we would consider being a food desert. And the neighborhood that we live in, um, is it a low poverty neighborhood? That's gonna definitely impact the ability of that individual and that family to purchase food, but also in some of those neighborhoods, do they have transportation? Not everybody has a vehicle that they can drive to a grocery store and purchase healthy foods? Do they only have an option to walk to a convenience store, which is not going to have the healthy options that, that a grocery store would, would, um, would provide them? Or if they don't have a vehicle, do they have an option for public transportation to get to and from the grocery? And that presents an entire different set of challenges, right? Um, maybe they have the public transportation, but I don't know about you all. How many of you all have tried to pack, you know, a month's worth of groceries onto a bus or a taxi cab and try to get to and from with that and your one person? So that can also impact the ability for those individuals to purchase the healthy foods that they need. So those are definitely three common factors that we would identify in qualifying a food desert and knowing um, if that specific area is potentially an area that the Department of Agriculture would identify as a food desert. One of the great things that the Department of Agriculture has done over the last few years is they have created an atlas that is online that we are able to access where they have identified and, and will help us look to see if areas that we're specific, specifically targeting um, is considered a food desert. And it breaks it down to give us a lot of information about um, not only those three factors, you know, is there accessibility? Um, are there individual bar barriers and neighborhood indicators? Um, but it also has resources to help us know um, what can we do? Are there, are there opportunities that perhaps businesses can go into these communities and give these individuals other options? So the Department for Agriculture um, uses the, um, the census tracts to identify what would actually qualify as a food food desert and whether those areas are meeting those low income and low access um, factors that we've been speaking about. So with this atlas, they're considering at current time that a low income area would be considered a poverty rate of 20% or greater. Um, and low access would be considered at least 500 individuals or at least 33% of that population living more than one mile from a supermarket or a large grocery store. So that's a, that's a little bit about how they're using that to identify what actually qualifies as a food desert. So I definitely found it very interesting when researching this information and looking at what um, qualifies and what the barriers are and why we now have identified areas as food deserts. I don't think that I truly had a good understanding um, that this is actually something that is very large scale that can impact our communities and, and the individuals that live in our communities. So I definitely think that bringing more awareness to 
how food deserts were were brought in that terminology as well as what qualifies as a food desert is definitely going to be something that we can all use um, and take away and impact individuals and communities and start doing more research and developing plans to help these individuals. So I hope that that information and identifying those two uh, two topics is helpful for you as my peers will continue to give you more information on the food deserts and definitely um, give you a lot more to think about and, and how we can positively impact this issue that millions in the world are facing. Thank you. So basically, uh, my research topic is why are the grocers living and who are those who are affected by this situation? So, um, in my research, I found out three basic reasons why the, the grocers are living. The first one is as a result of the new laws that are emerging, the policies that are being formed by the government and the people in positions. These policies are not favoring the uh, grocers. Uh, for example, the Euro Act policy that was formed recently. Um, this policy demands the grocery stores to increase their workers' pay because of being exposed to the public during this pandemic. Many of these uh, stores are also eaten by the COVID-19 situation, so they cannot even keep up with the original pay and benefit for the workers. For example, Kroger had to close three of its major stores in Los Angeles because of this new policy. It somehow affects the neighborhood and the community. The food system is not circulating and people are hungry because these stores are closing. The food is not available anymore these are the things that are causing food desert in our community and they need to be resolved. So the second reason I found out in my research is um, due to increment in purchases, the things they buy from their local you know, uh, suppliers, those things have become um, exorbitant, like um, the prices are high. So some of these stores, like the local stores, the ones that are close to the community, right there in the center of the of the neighborhood, you know, they cannot afford to buy these things anymore. So they just had to close. So um, these are why they are leaving. Um, the third reason is because of robbery and theft, uh, which we can call insecurity. The stores are not secured anymore. They don't have rest of mind. People going in there, robbing them, cutting away their belongings, collecting their money, shooting, and all of these things happening in the community. Um, because the hoodlums are hungry. So they walk into the store and they just try to get those things by force. So the government can help create new policies 
or amend the ones that they just did to help the grocers stay so that they can continue to supply food. The government can regulate food prices from the local suppliers, those who are getting those food, especially the raw food from the farm directly. They can regulate these prices to make food affordable. What is supposed to be the cheapest thing on earth is food because food sustains people. But if people don't have food to eat, they die. So food is very, very important in people's life. And I think the government can help you know, come up with policies. Let us adjust all these policies that are not helping the grocers, that are not keeping them in the community to continue the job they are doing. And uh, everybody is hit by this COVID-19. So the grocers are not supposed to be taxed to increase their worker salary because this is why they are living. So with all of this, I believe um, there should be some help that will, be, that will happen to help the grocers stays. Thank you. Today, I'm going to be going over ways that we can prevent food deserts and then also solutions to food deserts. So one way many cities can overcome these barriers to building sustainable food ecosystems is optimizing federal funding. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has made 31.5 million grants available to programs nationwide in an effort to connect low-income populations with food options through incentives and strategies. So pretty much in addition to this, the USDA administrators, the Women, Infants, and Children Farmers Market Nutrition Program, um, also known. Another way that we can prevent food deserts is food co-ops. So if we can't get the big grocery store chains to come to our neighborhood, then we can definitely start a local food co-op. It's no small task, don't get me wrong, but um, pretty much what a, co a food co-op is are worker-owned cooperatives and they can grow local economy, provide jobs, empower people to take their lives and work in their own hands and then also get that fresh food and foods into food deserts. So two recent examples of what basically a food co-op is addressing would be one in North Minneapolis and then in Minnesota as well. They started these food co-ops with the um, solution of getting foods in these deserts that are being polluted and then also bringing more healthier options into their cities. Another possible solution to preventing food deserts is a mobile food market. Now, this idea was brought upon us by the Helfex Nova Scatia. This is where they first started bringing fresh fruit, high quality and cultural appropriate affordable foods into the food desert. Their main focus was creating a healthy and just sustainable food system as well as building community and project partners with growers, nonprofits, businesses, governments, and community groups. We need all hands on deck in order to prevent um, food deserts. So with this mobile food market, that would give us all a way to work together as a community in a group to clear up food deserts. As we bring this podcast to a close, we want you to ask yourselves, what can I do to stop the spread of food deserts?
As we continue on in our mission to spread awareness about this all too common occurrence, we want everyone everywhere to be aware that this is happening. We want all people everywhere to have access to healthy foods, fresh, affordable, and convenient foods. So we ask you to remember that the most important ingredient is you.